Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Well Nerds Podcast. This is episode number 101. Two! 102! Dang, man, you're not even prepared. You're going to want to have the Google Docs pulled up. Sheesh. All right, well, it's 102, and guess who I'm with? Adam and Caitlin. What's up? Hi. Hello. <laughs> what, you thought we were going to redo it, Caitlin? No, I was going with it. Adam looked like he wasn't sure. I was a little scared, but you know what? We're here. <laughs> we're here and we're thriving. Yeah, we're actually here. That's the that's the good part. Oh man. Sure. Oh, I did have the topics pulled up. My bad. Just in another tab. I thought you prepared a whole speech, like you always say. I did. Um, <laughs> let me just hit you guys with the topics this week. I mean, this episode and let's start with saying thank you to a few people first. That's what, well, that's what I was gonna do. <laughs> that was, that's what the list. That's what the list was. Yeah, it, literally at the top of the list, it says thank you. And so I'll start by saying thank you to all of our uh, listeners. Actually, just for listening to the podcast, we, it means very mu- a lot to us. And thank you so much for all of our Patreon supporters. Yes, thank it you. It helps uh, keep the podcast going and helps us, you know, plan out these trips and get these trips going for future dates, as well as upgrading our equipment. We're looking into getting some new mics here pretty soon, I think. So, so we yeah, all sound so the same. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, think, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. And then uh, the next thing we're going to talk about oh. is, is actually host updates. And I think Adam wants to go because he's had two wild days in a row. Wait, sightings are after we do the host updates. You're skipping the list. Oh, man, who wrote this? It's <laughs> all bad. We got to start over. Let's see what the next <laughs> Okay, so just real quick, we'll run through our host updates. So um, if you haven't had a chance to check out the blog, or if you're not on our email list and you didn't get the new um, link, we do have some blogs up on our website that are about conservation type things. Um, for April, we do have spaces available still for our trips, but there are only four seats left now for Saturday. So I told you they'd go quick. Um, we only have four seats left for Saturday, the 23rd, but we do still have lots of space on Friday and Sunday. Friday, the 22nd is Earth Day. So if you want to come out and celebrate the whales with us, um, and take a trip out on the ocean. We would love to have you. And the trips are departing from Moss Landing, California uh, with Blue Ocean Whale Watch. And we're on the hunt for killer whales, but also lots of other whales and dolphins. So we're pretty excited. You can sign up at thewhalenerds.com slash trips. And uh, we do have some merch for sale on our website as well. And then there are now video versions of all of our episodes from 100 onwards on our YouTube channel. So if you want to check out the videos, especially this episode where I'm laughing a lot um, so far, you can uh, watch it on YouTube. And then don't look at Slater, even though we're all in the same view. Um, And then Whale Whale Tales Conference, uh, registration's still open at whaletales.org. And it's a virtual event this year that's live streaming just like it was last year that has on-demand presentations from over 20 researchers, photographers, and artists from around the world. There's some live Q&A sessions as well as an educational expo and an expanded kids or cakey program. We actually made a pretty cool video for the cakey program. I'm not going to lie. Um, so yeah, if you want to just, just sign up just to watch us do the cakey presentation, I mean, you can if you want. <laughs> Whoever edited that video is a baller. He did pretty good. Just going to say. <laughs> um, so if you want to sign up for that, uh, there are still a few trips, I think going on maybe most of them are already over the benefit trips in person on Maui but uh, you can still sign up for the conference online okay now we can do sightings okay well let's back it up because we got more host updates 
What else you got? What? You're uh, you're changing the script in the middle. Yeah. So we're gonna do our sightings next. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Who wants to go first? Adam does. I'm so, I'm so confused. <laughs> I'm just throwing you guys for a loop, dude. <laughs> All right. Oh, wait, you know what? One uh, thing, though, I was going to say is, Adam, you actually are going to miss the Whale Tales Conference. Oh, yeah. You're going to be in Mexico. I think, wait, though. I? You said your original dates were the same as mine. Actually, you? no. You're going to miss it. What do you mean? Nope. I'll be back. 19th to the 24th. Oh, but, yeah. No, my dates are wrong. I'll but. What they did last year is if you signed up since it was virtual, the pre-recorded stuff that was composed as a conference was available afterwards for you to watch later if you couldn't tune in live. Gotcha. I think that's still the case this year. You can check it out on the website. So you should be able to still watch it, Adam. That's the way it should be. Yeah, because I had to work last year. So I just watched it like a day later. It's 2022. We can have this oh. stuff recorded. I can watch it when I'm in the bathtub or whatever. <laughs> at your I, leisure I, I didn't realize you're leaving the 29th to april 4th i don't even know what the dates are i gotta, I gotta put look. you on my calendar so i know when you're out of town i know i yeah, penciled I know. you guys in and already erased it once <laughs> <laughs> there you go okay adam take it away okay so it's been super good in santa barbara lately um typically this time of year um in february or march it's it's it changes every year obviously whale migrations change um but this time of year is really good for both humpback whales and gray whales um yesterday we had probably like the biggest feeding congregation of whales i've i've seen like it was and it was honestly it wasn't even the whales that was crazy to me it was the freaking pelicans it was like the entire sky was just like blocked out with pelicans it it was it was super cool to see um but we we lost track after like 25 whales in like one pretty dense um feeding congregation and it was only like three miles from shore nice. um, and that that typically happens in santa barbara like in the in the springtime or you know february march when they do move in in big numbers they're super coastal um they come and take advantage of some of our coastal hot spots lots of lunch feeding this time of year we had a lot of lunch feeding the past couple of days and um, then they start to spread out um, as the summer progresses and they go out to the islands and stuff where it's a little bit deeper water. So we don't see as much lunch feeding, but this time of year is really, really good. Again, we had 25 yesterday um, and then they started to spread out. Um, today, we only had about five or six, um, but we got reports of just so many out there um, out by the islands, but we're only running our um, two and a half hour trips right now. So we're sticking pretty coastal. Um, so yesterday was crazy for humpbacks. And then today we also had a lot of humpbacks and um, gray whales. We had a really cool gray whale encounter. Keep it PG. Um, <laughs> I will keep it PG. Um, typically on the northbound migration, um, we have a couple sightings of, of mating groups of gray whales. And typically it's three whales. And whenever we get the drone up, it's pretty obvious to be like, hey, there's two, two males and one female. Um, you can typically tell that by uh, the males. They're excited. They're ex yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> There's no um, question that they're a male. Yeah, you can tell who's a male and who's not. And that's typically what we see is, is two males and a female. And that's because we think that maybe the males will help each other hold up the female. Um, might be easier to copulate. Um, and that's kind of the deal there. But today... I was sitting there flying the drone. I was like, oh, this is so awesome. Like beautiful weather. 
perfect weather, um, super nice sea conditions. You got these three gray whales rolling around. And then all of a sudden, all three of them flipped upside down and it was like revealed all at once. And I was like, ah, that's three males. <laughs> it was like, I, I wasn't expecting it, but I, it was just so funny. Um, and like, I'm sure the people on the boat were like, what is going on up there? Cause I was just screaming, like there's three males. Um, and since I was flying the drone, like I couldn't talk. So it took me a second to like, like when I landed the drone, then I could be like, sorry about that. I, we confirmed like from the drone that there's there's three three male whales so that was super cool um that's something i'd never seen before um it's always fun to see things you've never seen before um but that was super cool um lots of common dolphins today too we had this massive pod that just stretched out for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles so i have a question what's up were there dolphins when the whales were all rolling around? There wasn't initially, but then we had a small group of like 20 dolphins come in. After um, they'd already been rolling around. After they had been rolling okay. around. They, did, they, did you get video of them both? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Commons. Yeah. A small group of commons came in. And I know I'd filmed, I'd filmed gray whales with Rizzo's earlier. And it was just, it's funny comparing the two at least with these two encounters like the rizzos were super into it and they were super close but the commons were just kind of like eh, this is kind of cool and then they come over to the boat and like play in the wake and then they go back to the whales and be like yeah this is cool um but that I was interesting to see too or miss with comments because yeah. they're so spastic yeah and there's just so many of them like and know, they got so many different it. things I could also do. see Rizzo's just being like, eh, I'm busy like diving down yeah. squid. Well, that's the but thing. I've it's had just... Rizzo's and white tides completely circling humpbacks before, multiple yeah. times now. Yeah, I've had that's... Rizzo's like get the humpbacks like upset. Like they keep swimming upside down, like they're trying to avoid them and like peck slapping and stuff. It's so funny. That's probably one of my favorite things to watch is just interspecies interactions. Everyone's different and it's just super cool to see them interact with each other. Gray whale season is perfect for that. Because I remember so this day in Newport, I was flying the drone, and we had a fin whale and a gray whale past each other. And I <laughs> thought I had, like, won the lotto that day. I remember being like, oh, my God, has anyone ever seen a fin whale and a gray whale in the same, like, frame? Like, I was freaking out. But come to find out, you can go to Monterey and have, like, a blue whale, fin whale, and a humpback in the same frame. All so. in the same frame <laughs> on the drone. <laughs> so and a sea lion probably I, I for know. good I measure i wonder if it's like a dog see the thing is it's not like they're they don't look aggressive they really look like they're loving on each other so it doesn't seem like it's a dominance thing with the gray whales it just seems like a well that's the that's the thing with like three males yeah, flirty like, type thing yeah with three males it's like are they practicing for the big event are they just messing around boys being boys like i don't know what's going on there but. well i don't I mean, I guess I don't know this about right whales, but I don't think there's really been that documented in any other species of whale where like the males are messing around like that. Um, killer whales, right? Killer whales? Do they do it with each other though? I've definitely males. I've, I've heard of like. Oh, males, I've heard of definitely. killer whales like fighting with their sword fighting. Yeah, sword fighting. Yeah. Okay, so killer I whales and and gray whales, I guess. I heard that and up in San Juan Island. That's where I learned that actually. It's and it's 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 tough too because it's like okay, like it's hard to anthropomorphize these animals and like put our ideologies into them. It's like they're just they're just whales being whales. You mm -hmm. know, it's not like I mean, who knows? Maybe it is a it is a homosexuality thing. You know, you never know. But could I mean, also just be like a hormones raging exactly, thing. Exactly. Who knows? 
So they definitely don't have the same social constructs that we do. So exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't even matter <laughs> at that point. Like they northbound. Yeah, they're northbound. And that's the thing. Like we saw, we saw definitely some like courtship or like socialization on the southbound earlier with those Rizzos this year. But yeah. typically we see it on the northbound. North, yeah, northbound. They're much more flirty. Yeah. I mean, Southern California is a little bit different, like way down towards the party in Mexico. I feel like yeah, the rules, the rules change. Change for sure. But as they go north, they're the adults are much more flirty. Yeah. So but super good lately. And um, we got really good weather for the next week or so. So I'm excited to see what happens. Nice. Yeah. All right, Slater, you had an adventure. I'll skip. Oh. I'm kidding now. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to intro me differently and I had something planned out in my head. It was kind of a joke oh, and then you didn't do me. it. So. Oh. But I did see, uh, yeah, I did see a whale actually. No, I went I up did. to San Juan Island and, and my goal was actually not to see whales. My goal was to photograph foxes, which sounds funny, but I really wanted to shoot foxes. <laughs> Every time I've gone to the San Juan Island, I've gone over to where the foxes, a, a, a good area to find them in on the island. And I always like am rushed because I got to get on the trip in the morning. So I'll have like, a, you know, 30 or 40 minutes over there. Uh, but yeah, so I spent, I spent like four days on the island looking for foxes, eagles, um, short-eared owls. And I was successful. I found all of them. And it was a lot of fun. There is, um, I did, I was able to plan one trip with Maya's Legacy to go out whale watching on Sunday. And then the it was like super windy on saturday and i was like hey you guys by chance have room and they ended up having a group of six people not show up or they couldn't get off the um they missed the ferry or something and so i was able to go saturday and sunday the first day we saw um stellar sea lions eagles uh the deer that are on spiden island and the, what are they rams there's a couple of different species oh the bighorn sheep yeah, they got because they, they got all the stuff on there that's been transported. They got it's like some weird. They have the deer deer, which is like Sika deer or something. It's in J- Japanese Sika deer. Yeah, and Sika they have deer. like this like game um, animal that's mu, mu, starts with the M Musa Mufasa basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what's crazy is we found these whatever they're called Mufasas on another island so they that means they swam or someone stole them and took them to another island and oh really they probably swam yeah. they do swim but like i want to say like upstream it just like up they went north like you know dude yeah. i would be scared as a maybe they caught the inco- incoming tide and they just went maybe i know the deer for sure do go from island to island like that's been they've they've seen them it, they yeah. it's super funny when you see a deer like swimming out in the middle yeah can you imagine our sightings today were stellar sea lions a deer killer whales yeah. <laughs> yeah super weird so the anyway so yeah we found we ended up going to see one gray whale they've actually had been it's been hanging out around the islands feeding and so we saw one gray whale and it was super exciting <laughs> thrilling <laughs> thrilling yeah, yeah I, I like not like not like my gray whales <laughs> it was better dude it was it was down four minutes you only almost saw like one uh dorsal like ridge like one knuckle <laughs> on the ridge sweet um, no Epic. yeah so and then the second day we actually skunked out we did see uh we got better looks at stellar sea lions though and stuff um they but, really are like they look like bears that swim but I don't sea look lions. Like, they look like jabba the hut to me yeah i feel so, like they look like a bear 
although I didn't see any whales, I still think it's it's a cool time to go up there. It's like, um, I, I I do think you still can't see whales at this time of year. The problem was is like right now, there's supposed to be like a big herring 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 spawn up north, uh, kind of like past Nanaimo or Entrance Island, and there's like six or seven different pods hanging out and staging around there. And they're feeding on the stellar sea lions that are feeding on the herring. So uh, I do think it's a good time. It just happened to be a bad week where all like a lot of the pods that they do see are up north. So there were technically killer whales in the sailor sea, just way up north. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but other than that, I haven't done anything local. <clears throat> That's okay. It's winter time. Yeah. Bad weather. I mean, there's definitely still whales to see if you want to go whale watching a Monterey. Uh, yeah, but they, there was some pretty rough weather earlier this week, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. But uh, today they had humpback whales, I believe, gray whales, and then they had a pot of killer whales. Oh, cool. And then yesterday they had one killer whale, fat fin, humpback whales, and gray whales. So they're, they're, they're definitely still like a lot of whales. Yeah. Um, also, I heard a rumor that the crew up at Maya's is going to start a podcast. See, that was part of my intro. Oh, yeah, that was part I of my ruined thing. And it. I, and then I completely lost it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jeff and Sarah, we, who we've had on the podcast before, um, every time I go up there, they tell me they're going to start a podcast. And this time I went to dinner with Jeff and, and them and we just, and we kind of like got it back in their heads to start one. And um, I had one extra day on the island. So I was texting Jeff about getting all the podcast equipment and how to set it up and stuff. And they finally posted on Instagram what last night or two nights ago. Two nights ago, yeah. After gonna, the breach, they're gonna start. The, they're gonna start their podcast, which will be named after the breach. Jeff, I think Jeff came up with that, or Jeff and Sarah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. So you guys will have to look. I'm, I'm sure we're gonna have them on again. Yeah. We talked about it, so we'll have them on again probably before or like right after they do their first episode. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, but if you guys want, you can go on their Instagram after the breach and follow them. So yeah. that you know when it comes out. Yeah. So exciting. More whale podcasts. We need yeah. those. Yes. Okay. Um, I saw whales. You saw whales in I Maui? Saw whales. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my oh, gosh. Pretty hard to find them. What a shocker. <laughs> uh let's see. Since the last time we recorded, I mean, yeah, it's just been mom and calf palooza in Ma'alaya. And I actually worked a snorkel trip last week that was beautiful, flat, calm weather, even in the afternoon. And on our way home, we came across a mom and calf, like right as soon as we untied the boat, they were already only 150 yards away from the mooring. That's what it's like there. And <clears throat> there was four bottlenose dolphin with them too. And so it was a mom calf escort and four bottlenose dolphin. And it was just like magical because they were just <laughs> all playing. The baby whale was playing with the dolphins. And the dolphins were like jumping out of the water and one of them kept swimming around the boat. It's just like magic. Did you so. cry? Um, no, but I think some of the people did. And it wasn't that magical. I mean, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> Adam, we don't cry anymore. I was yeah. going to say, have you guys no. lost your tears? Because I, I would just, yeah, I would, I'm so dehydrated all the time. I can't even cry. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> very true. And then, yeah, we've seen lots and lots of moms and calves. Um, a few competition groups, and unfortunately, a few of them, the focus animal have been the mom and calf. And so that's been kind of brutal because, like, you feel bad. This little baby whale's getting chased around by all these dudes that want to 
mate with its mom. Like a month old. It's like, what Just is leave life? her alone. Like, leave my mom hot. alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my mom's hot. <laughs> Wait, Caitlin. AC's you, mom, dude. Do you think that these, uh, like some of these calves, like you, you realize you could be seeing their first ever bottlenose dolphin encounter or like their first spinner mm-hmm. dolphin encounter. Yeah. Or false killer will encounter. Like, oh, that's pretty yeah. cool thing. Yeah. Like they're probably like, whoa, that thing zooms. Well, and <laughs> earlier, like at the end of January, sometimes I'm like, the captain will joke. He'll be like, dude, I think this thing just hatched out of its egg last night. It's like so yeah. fresh. You're like, so man, new. we might be some yeah. of the first boats this whale has ever seen. Mm-hmm. When you're at the end of January, they're still all light gray and floppy and awkward. You're like, this thing is like brand new. Mm-hmm. Think about the lagoons and excuse me, in Baja. Yeah. Like those, some of those gray whales are fresh. Oh yeah, yeah. I swear, I feel like more ha- more have give birth on the migration than like down there. For gray whales, I would believe that's true because it's such a long migration. Is, For humpbacks, so. it's like you really, you really don't start seeing them until January. That's like the thick of birthing. So. What do you mean? They just go around the corner. They're like, I'm just gonna hit the corner. I think it probably yeah at night, and they just get somewhere where the current's gonna pull the placenta away from them. That's my theory, so that the sharks will take care of the placenta, but not be attracted to the calf while it's really awkward for the first few hours. Oh man, they don't do it at night, Caitlin. They can't see. They don't need to see. What do they need to see? Dude, your baby. What if you miss it and you can't push oh it up my for God. breath and it sucks in water? Now you have a. Oh, they baby. can detect a fish this big at night, but they can't detect their baby. <laughs> no, Come on, they can detect a fish <laughs> that big from like seven miles away. I've literally watched it happen. I've yeah. watched two humpbacks lunch feed, leave, and go to another school of anchovies and lunch. Yeah, like oh man. Yeah. yeah no, I don't think they can find the baby though. It'd be tricky. <laughs> at night. Come on, this is during the day. What we would have seen it by now. Look how stupid clear the water is in Hawaii. Okay, so if they did it during the day, you're telling me we've missed it all these years. Yeah, and you're telling me that humpbacks lunch feed at the moonlight. Yeah, dude, they freaking peck slap in the moonlight. I've seen it this season. Yeah, I know that's true. Oh, that's so. I was driving in on the skiff, and I was like, okay, I know these whales are here somewhere. And then I just see this tiny little flipper like waving at me in the moonlight, and I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. But also, I want to get away from you because <laughs> it's Did dark. Did you cry then? One million. A little bit. Shed one like gangster tear by okay. myself. So you're still, you still got it. <laughs> I'm still a human. Yeah. But yeah, it's been awesome in Maui, and um, still plenty and plenty of whales around. Lots of cookie cutter shark bites on even on really? cats this year so more say. more than i've noticed in past years especially on the babies so i don't know fat. what that's about but i think fat Finn has a cookie cutter shark bite on his peduncle you might his um, peduncle dunk i was gonna say something caitlin i've seen you not cry but i've i've had Ooh, we have so many more like exciting days to come now <laughs> finally dude sheesh been like years before we could go whale watching together. Well, yeah, we're all but gonna go whale watching first... together in April. But you think about come. that's what I'm talking about. So think about when, like, our first encounters at that one place. That <laughs> one place. Like we had some crazy encounters there. Yeah, the shark. Yeah, the like offshore killer like, whales and I the shark. Caitlin go. <laughs> we're yeah, dude, that was yelling. crazy. One time, one time, her, me, Eric. I think we all hugged at the same time when we had the double breach for the earthquakes. Oh, that was nuts. Yeah, but that no was no tears. I haven't seen any no, tears. No tears. Adam cries on like a regular basis. I'm not a I'm not really a crier. What can I say? 
I know. But you know how many times I've said them? I was like, if I see Beat Twills today, I'm going to cry. And then I get there and it's like, where's my camera? I don't have time to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, where's my batteries? My SD card's out. The hard part is, um, I think the hardest thing as a naturalist is will be in the spring if we see a predation on one of our trips. Um, because I don't cry it's kind of like group therapy, like, because some of the passengers will cry and they'll be like, yeah. they'll want us to intervene. And then some it's, you have the, all the emotional spectrum. You have people that are like, this is horrible. I'm going to throw up. I don't want to watch this. And they're like, all sad. And then you have other people that are like, this is the best day of my life. Literally. I don't know, man. It's, it's hard. I don't know <laughs> if anyone actually thinks it's the best day. I don't know. I've had a few people I, that have been like stoked out of their yeah, minds. There's people that are like, this is sick, bad blood. Bad. I don't know. It, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting for me this year because I'm going down to the lagoons for the first time but i still have also never seen a predation and i really oh, want to have it i, ha- oh, I no, missed it last day by one year by one don't, day sorry don't make an emotional connection with those baby whales in the lagoon i'm literally gonna no. freaking be hugging them what do you mean dude kate cummings and uh t- tim id'd a whale off of like where he stands down on the coast you know this like the secret spot where they, they saw it oh yeah they id'd it being the and then one. yeah i remember yeah. that that's toast. Imagine you're like, you're like oh, magical. So it's swimming through the kelp. And then it's like, now it's in Monterey in like hell. Eight <laughs> hours later. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I kind of said something on uh, to the trip. I was like, eh, I don't really want to see gray. Like, I don't really care to see the gray whale. Like, which sounds rude, but I didn't say that. To, I didn't say like, let's not look at it. It was just like, I don't care to shoot photo- photographs of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't tell them like, I, we don't, I don't want to look at it or anything. I don't care about that. But I was just, they were, they were saying like, oh, I like, or we were, we were kind of talking about um, saying how I don't like gray. I was saying, I don't like gray whales in Monterey. And it's just like, they are scared here. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. When you get a big group, you know, off it's the point, fun for a little bit off the point, you can get some good whales. Like there are some gray whales. They'll play around. Yeah. But like, I would say like 70 or 80% of them do not want to be no. seen. So it's not I, a good time in Monterey Bay for gray whales. Yeah, and so it's not that I don't like gray whales. It's just that I don't like gray whales in Monterey Bay. So don't, when I say that, it's not that I don't like Don't them. get I it do. twisted, I okay? I love them. <laughs> they're crusty and awesome. No, and they're, it's like, you can't make up what, what they do down in Southern California or in Baja. Like, you can't make that up. It's so yeah. unreal. It makes yeah. no sense. And by yep. the way, if you're, if you saw my post of that whale that we were petting on the boat, it's upside down, and those are its cleats, by the way, because people get yeah, has they got, like run grooves. over by a train or something. That. No, <laughs> has, so, like, has... the comments on my Facebook right now, like, dude, they're no. unreal. The comment, if you're looking for entertainment, read the comment section on Slater's Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, dude. But yeah, they have like two ventral grooves, two sometimes, three, like, sometimes yeah. three. Yeah, but just but yeah. tiny little ones. It did not so get funny. run over. It's just upside down, and that's its chin. <laughs> Okay, we ready? This one is not uh, as sad as the last one. Are we ready? That's a good Let's just get it over with, okay? This is our third installment of climate news. And final. Final for now. I'm talking about cli- climate change for the rest of my freaking life. Climate change is something that is a constant factor in all of our lives. But um, so we'll start with an article that's actually kind of an interesting way to study climate change. Um, this was from WBUR in November 2021. I believe that is a radio station outside of Boston. 
And it's called 19th century New England whaling logs offer clues to 21st century climate change. So this is not necessarily a new concept, but what's the project that they interviewed people for um, talking about their work is they're taking whaling log books and they're using those as a data source for historic oceanographic data. So whalers and also most merchant mariners in the 1800s and early 1900s were meticulous note takers. They would take note of every detail about um, their voyages, especially whaling about what conditions they were catching whales in. And um, some of the log boat books that they're looking at for this project are from whaling expeditions in the Indian and Southern Oceans. And those areas, there's not great historic data about oceanographic conditions. They don't, they have records like from the 1960s and forward, but nothing older than that. So Caroline uh, Umenhofer from Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute has been studying log books that are in the collection at the New Bedford Whaling Museum. Uh, the Providence Public Library, and then there's a few private collections as well, or other collections, I should say. Um, also, New Bedford Whaling Muse Museum, super cool. If you ever get a chance, go. Spend the whole day there. It's awesome. So uh, they kind of talk a little bit, give a little history lesson about the New England and Yankee whaling fleet. Um, it first started in the 1700s, and then during the American Revolution, when they um, started their war for independence from Britain, they, uh, the whaling effort declined and then it revamped again into its full glory in the 1800s. And during the golden age of whaling, New Bedford especially was a stronghold for whale oil exports. They were exports. They were called the city that lit the world, the port of New Bedford. Um, and so that's kind of a good place to get log books from because they're all being housed and stored there. So whaling ships crossed the ocean, areas of the ocean that were not typically covered by merchant mariners or naval activities. And so the logbooks are actually providing some unique data because it wasn't recorded by other industries at the time. There are over 5,000 logbooks that are accessible in these different collections that could potentially be analyzed. Um, and this has actually been done before to study oceanographic data in other places around the world, like the North Atlantic. Uh, right now, they've cataloged 50 books, and from those 50 books, they have 14,000 entries that they've gone through. And um, this is helping them establish some baseline data for weather patterns, which is going to help further assess uh, how much the ocean is changing in those areas. So it's um, you can't really make any conclusions about changes unless you have a baseline to compare it to. So this is where they're getting it from. And they are finding in the Indian and Southern Oceans, wow, shocker, they're going through drastic changes oceanographically. You don't say. <laughs> Who knew? The ocean's changing even there. Um, so they used to call the, the line of 40 degree latitude south, the roaring 40s. Roaring um, 40s. But now the, the actual prevailing wind patterns are starting to shift. And so yeah. that's 10 degrees further south than it used to be so now they're calling that the furious 50s as you get closer to the south pole and the screaming and, 60s yeah and um then yeah. this is also causing nutrients to shift and this is changing the way rainfall is falling as well so remember during climate news part one episode 100 we talked about how there's droughts in south america during the warm water blob 
because mm-hmm. the rain's falling on the ocean instead of falling on the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, it's all connected, right? Like this is backing up that finding that the rain pattern is not the same as it used to be because things are changing in the ocean. So yeah, kind of a cool way to study climate change, looking at yes. whaling logs. Blast from yeah. the past. I just looked up whaling logs, like to see what like a photo of one would look like. And it's pretty cool. They have yeah. like stamps, like almost look like stamps mm-hmm. of like sperm whales. Some are just like whale, yep. whale, whale, whale. And they like type, like maybe they put like a foot, how big it is or something. But yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. Or and then they have OG like, they have, stamp. they kept really specific logs of their like catch information too. I mean, I just listened to a lecture last night where they had very specific data from whaling records and they published it and used that as their data for like calf development, milk content, like all this stuff. So I looked up whaling logs and there's a picture of a whale balancing a log on his side. Ah, wait, did you and it's not Sarah. It's not Sarah it? and Jess, yeah. but yeah. That's funny. Science, dude. Science. That's all Caitlin just told us was science. Yeah, science. Caitlin, I also did put so, another topic in here, um, but this one's from did? Noah. Yeah. Could you read it? You're going to skip the other one? Oh, wait. Shoot. I went too far. <laughs> <laughs> I went too far. No, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying that to be clever to, and he messed it up. He's trying to be super clever. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I, I forgot that I added the K2 one in here. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This one's about Glacier Bay. So can you read? Yeah, just read through this one. Skim through just it. give you the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, another radio station in Alaska, K2. Uh, this is from August of 2021. And this is talking about Glacier Bay in particular. As It's an interesting uh interesting location where the warm water blob had an effect that was kind of prolonged so during the warm water blob the number of whales visiting glacier bay declined by 70 percent and the whales that were using glacier bay continued to be very absent until 2020 and mom and calf pairs were really scarce during those years, um, like maybe one or two cat mom calf pairs or no mom calf pairs sighted for several years in a row. But in 2021, they saw 11 mom calf pairs. So they're sort of seeing a resurgence of use of that habitat. And it's interesting because I just listened to a lecture about that covered this topic the other night as well. Um, and they like the Salish Sea in 2020 had a huge number of sightings of moms and calves and Glacier Bay had almost none. And those whales potentially were just shifting habitat because the food was available somewhere else. It may not have necessarily been that all of a sudden there was like a baby boom in the Salish Sea. It may have been that the Salish Sea was a better buffet. And the moms were like, listen, I don't have time to be messing around. I'm trying to make milk for this calf. I gotta be where the food is the best. And so we may have seen a shift between those two habitats. Um, and as they kind of resettle from the disturbance of the blob, it'll be interesting to see like this summer, where are all the babies? Are they going to be back in Glacier Bay? Are they going to be back in the Salish Sea? Are they going to be somewhere else entirely? So that was kind of interesting just to see that like 
even though the North Pacific as a whole was like, quote unquote, back to normal, different little pockets were still shifting years and years after the event. I mean, it's, it's, so much you, you could, you could say the same thing, you know, to about Santa Barbara. It's like in, in 2019, we had all humpbacks, no blue whales. Typically mm-hmm. we get a pretty good mix of both, at least at some point, 2020, all blue whales, the humpbacks were here about this time of year and they moved out and we had, we didn't have a single humpback. Yep. 2021, it went back to 2019. It was all mm-hmm. humpbacks. We had, I think four blue whale sightings the entire year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who knows what this year is going to bring, you know, yeah. like that, that, that food source is moving around, you know, krill yep. is not as abundant as it used to be. Yeah. Um, well, and for whales, like, I think just the scale of what's a reasonable distance to move in order to find better food is like way bigger than us, right? They're like 500 miles, whatever. I'll be there, you know, in a couple of days, no big yeah. deal. Whereas us, we're like, oh my God, where'd the whales go? And they're like, yeah. clearly they know where they're going. We yeah. just, so kind of interesting though. And it brings up a whole nother set of issues, which we're going to talk about an example of this in the next article is the climate extremes intensify conflicts between people and whales. So as whales move into places where they weren't historically, or they stay longer or arrive earlier, humans, we put a lot of stuff in the water, right? Like boats and fishing gear and mooring equipment and all this stuff. And trash. Trash, yeah. And so when our patterns shift, whales start overlapping with things that we put in the water when we're not prepared. And that's exactly what happened during the warm water blob with the West Coast Dungeness crab fishery. And I was there to witness the whole thing and it was brutal. So this is a blog that NOAA Fisheries put out in 2021. And so just kind of a refresh. The During the warm water blob, there was two problems. One, the crabs were testing too high for demoic acid and the crab season didn't open until like the end of May. So normally crab season opens in November. There's a big push for Thanksgiving and Christmas crab. And then the crabbing effort really falls off because their yield isn't as good. And there's also not as much market demand. But this year, those years during the warm water blob, they couldn't even open for those markets. So they were just scrounging to try and make a couple bucks to salvage the season. So they fished way later into the year than they normally do. And they opened way later. Well, now you've got gear in the water during May and June when the humpbacks start showing up. And when you have really windy and ugly spring conditions, you're more likely to lose your gear too. And further up the coast, they're allowed to fish later into the summer. Then the whales started to come in way closer to shore in way bigger numbers than they had in the past. So there's huge overlap of gear and whales and entanglements just like skyrocketed it was like one year there was over 70 reported entanglements on the west coast of the united states where normally they had 10 Mm -hmm. and it was just overwhelming it was like more than one a week with those kind of numbers and you so we were just seeing entangled whales all the time because a lot of them were in monterey bay yeah it was horrible it was so sad and so frustrating so what they've studied and like what they're trying to come out with is a new system to have everybody coexist. So, and management just got really blunt with the fishermen and was like, if we don't come up with a solution that you participate in, 
we're just going to go with time area closures and you're not going to be able to fish at all and you're going to have no say. So if you would like to participate in this process, let's find a solution that works better for everybody. So NOAA kind of repurposed some tools they already had in place like whale alert. Um, some fishermen participated in some GPS tracking uh, work to help establish where their fishing effort was. And then whale watchers were reporting in where they're seeing whales and they kind of created these heat maps and then were ad advising fishermen to move their gear out of the hot zones where there's lots of whales. And they recognize that this is definitely gonna continue to happen in the future. And so we have to find a way to balance the environment. And unfortunately, there's not really a, a, a way for everybody to win with the current idea that we have. So. The early warning system with trying to keep real-time information on fishing gear and whales is helpful, but still poses a risk. Um, and they are trying to create some more incentives to the fishermen to buy into newer technologies as they are available. Everybody's watching on like bated breath for this ropeless gear demonstration to go on for the next couple of years on the East Coast. Um, and so we'll see how that goes. And if it goes well, then I think that'll be very quickly adopted in California. But just another example of how, you know, whales change their distribution in response to climate and food. And like, we got to find a way to keep it safe for everybody because the fishermen don't want to catch the whales and they, they no, don't want to lose does. their, they don't want to no, lose their gear either. Are there, are there license or their, their fishery, you know, it's really a huge, gear is huge hit, huge yeah. hit on their fisheries. If they kill a whale and they can track it back to them, like. And other than this entanglement thing, overall crab pots, are pretty good at only catching crabs. Like they don't really have a lot of bycatch otherwise. So um, so there's, I'll include a link to a paper that was put out by Royal Society um, Publishing to that assesses this more in depth. And then you'll also have the blog link if you wanna check it out. I always put those up on our Facebook page when I post about the episode, I put it in the comment section so you can check that out. So, then this brings up the question, is any species of animal really going to win from climate change? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Are, they? Are yeah, they? I think there's like generalists that will absolutely take over the niche of specialists that will go extinct. I read this really interesting book. It was called Into the Wild. And it was saying like, I agree with that. it was saying like, at the end of the day, like nature's going to be okay. Like we're going to lose a lot of species, but it's like, it's kind of how evolution works, you know, like we're weeding out the species that won't be able to survive and the ones that will, will populate and evolve. It's like squid, you know, squid is, is taking over the ocean now mm -hmm. as opposed to fish. And it's like creatures are having to adapt to eating a squid diet versus a fish diet. And like squid is way less protein packed than an anchovy is like market squid yeah. for the most part, you know, and it's like some species are going to have to adapt. And if they can't, then they can't and that's just kind of the way that nature rolls and that's the way it's always rolled for 4.6 billion years like it's not going to change you know i just it's think just we're going to be on the list that. of we're going to be on the list oh of absolutely losers. absolutely <laughs> we're going to absolutely be on the list of losers and it's going to be our fault but that's that's the way that that it goes and we're going to be our own demise and if that's the case and we don't learn and we don't change things then then that's the case and well i mean that's if, if we don't, you know, blow ourselves up with nukes or anything before oh, then, but geez. that's a whole well, other I, I topic. Also, I agree with what you're saying, but I also think that it's happening at a faster rate and it's all human 
cause though. That's yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, we're absolutely. Forcing these to, we're forcing these animals to adapt For when sure. they probably wouldn't have had to. They wouldn't have yeah. had to, right? No, so yeah. it's like they wouldn't have. It's like it, yeah, it's it's solely on our shoulders. But at the end of the day, it's like it's 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 like we have the power to change and stop this. We absolutely do. It's totally within our technologies and responsibilities and everything. Yeah. And it's it's our choice. And if we choose to not listen and to not listen to the planet and change, then okay, like we're gonna go extinct. A lot of other animals are gonna go extinct, but the ones that don't are now gonna be the rulers. And that's just the way it's it is. It's gonna be yes. beaked whales and that's it. <laughs> Yeah. Beaked whales and elephant seals. Okay, so there there's an article that sort of tried to chip away at this question a little bit and talked more about killer whales. We kind of talked about this in the last episode. Um, but in the short term, it seems like killer whales are definitely going to be climate change winners. They're very versatile predators, they're very smart. Um, but as they expand their range and the types of food that they eat, especially as they get more into um, the Arctic habitat it's definitely gonna complicate the marine food web. And like we talked about in the last episode, the Arctic is a very rapidly changing part of our planet. And it's not just the animals that are gonna experience the pressure from a new predator in our area. So indigenous hunters that you know eat seals are gonna face more competition and more pressure from the presence of killer whales. And so there's gonna have uh, some unintended consequences there where seal stocks either are going to move or there's going to be less of them. And then that also will affect the polar bear population because they are also hunting seals. And eventually the balance is probably going to tip the other way where killer whales are not going to find enough to eat in those northern ranges. So then they kind of end up being a, a long-term loser when it comes to the game of climate change or what I think is more likely is they'll probably adjust their range back to a different place um, after they realize that there's not an abundance of resources with the absence of sea ice because the whole thing's going to unravel. Um, and at the end of the article, they really talked about how it is important to shift our management focus from managing one species as its own thing and managing the ecosystem as a whole. And we've talked about that in other the um, and... other episodes is like it has to be an ecosystem-based management strategy it can't be just killer whales and just salmon and just seals like they're all yeah. connected so anyways food for thought <sighs> okay is it we got yet? it home stretch here guys home stretch <laughs> is it over yet <laughs> <laughs> this last one is just sort of i i found it as a really moving article it's from the guardian and it's this writer and he just kind of gives a gives a perspective about what it's like to be an artist in the midst of the climate crisis. And he basically, he feels motivated to, with his writing, write as if these are the last days on our planet. Because this is the time when we could project the future and see how horrible it could be and still make a change on the outcome. And so I just wanted to read a little bit of a passage of what he wrote. So he says, there's a time for hope and there is a time for realism, but what is needed now is beyond hope and realism. This is a time when we ought to dedicate ourselves to bringing about the greatest shift in human consciousness and the way we live. We ought to consecrate ourselves to bringing about a conscious evolutionary leap forward. No longer can we be the human beings we have been, wasteful, thoughtless, selfish, destructive. 
It is now time for us to be the most creative we have ever been, the most farsighted, the most practical, the most conscious and selfless. The stakes have never been and will never be higher. We ought to ask questions about money, power, hunger. The scientists tell us that fundamentally there is actually enough for everyone. This earth can sustain us. We can't just ask the shallow questions anymore. Our whys ought to go to the core of what we are. Then we ought to set about changing us. We ought to remake ourselves. Somehow civilization has taken a wrong turn and we collectively need to alter our destination and our journey. We can't drive ourselves to the brink of extinction a second time. If we survive this brink, we will pull ourselves back from the apocalypse that's waiting. Then we just have to find a global direction that is one of sus sustenance, justice, and beauty for the whole earth and for all the peoples of the earth. So. Sounds like yeah. one of Adam's captions. Just a subtle little. Like <laughs> literally, Adam sees one beautiful gray well like roll around naked, and then he comes up with this, dude. <laughs> oh. So I was kind of I was kind of thinking last night about like, especially here in Maui, uh, like a great example of how the Earth makes connections. It's so slow, and it's such a process of trial and error and nature just doing its thing and climate change is happening so quickly that like these relationships that developed over hundreds of thousands of years or even millions of years we're destroying them in a few decades like look at a coral reef coral reefs have been functioning in the similar way that a current reef does today for potentially 20 million years and bleaching in the last 10 could destroy them like this is something that has been in effect for 20 million years. And we've destroyed it in 10 years, 20 years. Like, what the? What are we doing? What do you mean what, we're building freaking? What, what aren't we doing? We're doing everything. We're doing too much. All the wrong stuff. We need to do less. I don't care why we don't just do fun things like whale watching. Like, why is it so, <laughs> like, why is it so crazy it's just like, right oh, now, dude? Like, it's like, Oh, we need more power. Like for what? You could just go whale watching and travel the world and see a bunch of beautiful stuff. Literally, we like, literally live on a closed loop sphere in outer space. Like, what do you gain by having more power? We all live on the same ding dang planet. Like, like, I, I, how are we still invading other countries? Like, <laughs> yeah. like it, I thought we is, gave up on wars. This I is, guess not. This is a this is a systematic fault with humanity. Like power money greed it's a systematic thing that we put into our societies that is just horrible and it that and has no place in this world like i honestly think for us to progress as a species and to get past climate change and wars and social justice problems and just everything like there needs to be a change from the roots of our societies like we need to oh, yeah. implement nature and just being good beings and justice and just <laughs> but not everybody's nice like us our, you know what i mean nobody nobody is it's just like it's, it's like even not here, everybody just America, is happy to watch like, whales for the rest of their life like we are other people I have don't you know it. other aspirations well that's the thing it's like i think there's a societal thing that that we teach kids that money is cool and and materialistic things are cool 
and being a bully is cool or like whatever the case is. But it's like, if we change that and show how beautiful a planet it is and how we can be sustainable and live together in a happy go lucky kind of Kumbaya way like, around the campfire Kumbaya, dude. like whatever <laughs> it's possible i think it's totally possible but it, it, i think it's a systematic fault that we put it into our societies and that's just the way it is yeah until we change that at a systematic level then i don't know i think one of my favorite like satire comics newspaper comics i've seen in the last 10 years is like all these people you can tell it's like the apocalypse has happened and they're all sitting around a campfire and there's this guy who's in like a tattered business suit. And it's like these young kids are asking him what happened. And he's like explaining. And then his justification is like, but we made a lot of money though. Yeah. Exactly. But guess what? You all are sitting around the same dang fire on a destroyed planet. So was it's it just, worth it? It makes no <laughs> sense. It makes no sense to me. So. I really, I really was hoping COVID would be like a wake up call to be like, Maybe we shouldn't be pillaging the forest that we. Yeah, but people that were already comfortable before COVID, a lot of like the rich people before COVID got richer. So COVID didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, COVID helped a lot of people. Yeah. Weird. A lot of millionaires became billionaires during COVID. Like, how that? I think it helped, like, even people that aren't millionaires. I think it just kind of was weird. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't seem to affect everyone the same way. Some people, you know, yeah. like it turned into a war zone, even in the United States. And other people were like, I'm just going to hang out on my yacht. See like, Excuse me, what? I guess you, I guess Russia, ha- I don't really want to talk about this, but I guess Russia has invaded Ukraine every century since like 1600 mm-hmm. AD or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, That's so wild. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, we, do, we are very uh fortunate in the united states that we did not have that kind of experience but to deal with that i definitely empathize with the people that are going through it i'm very sorry that this is where we're at crazy crazy and i think you know what i would leave everyone with is everything on this planet including us is so interconnected and we're unraveling the systems that have been in place for millennia faster than we can study them faster than we can understand them and so anywhere that you can like put a pause on environmental impact take that opportunity whether it's a park or a beach cleanup or reducing especially this is hot topic in the news reducing your fossil fuel footprint can you find a more um, eco-friendly way to commute to work or can you do all your errands in one go instead of doing errands day to day to day to cut down on fuel consumption? Can you ride the bus? Can you ride your bike? Can you carpool? Um, I mean, we need to get away from fossil fuels anyway, right? And apparently that, you know, that's going to be a hot topic over the next few weeks. So this may be our moment to just implement new things. True. Um, And single use plastics, you know, that comes from fossil fuels too. So Finding ways to reduce your impact there as well. One more sad thing. Um, the last known freshwater ear wadi dolphin has died. No, don't tell me that. But I, is that what it is that what it is? Because there's some confusion there. I know that. I, I mean, is it a river? Like you said, it's freshwater. Yeah, it's the last. I don't. Are they, I don't are so they what, Adam seems to think species? there's another ear wadi dolphin. Is there? 
Caitlin? Absolutely. There's Dude, we not, the, the species isn't extinct. They're not the vaquita. I think it's a population of no, them. No, uh, all these articles spot. say that they're they're they've been endangered. Like are like uh, ninety-two strictly... individuals estimated left. Oh, Southeast so Asia and three. Yes. There's three rivers that they use. So this the last known one in wherever this is then in Cambodia, northeastern Cambodia is last yeah. known. So they need to put that in a dang title. All right. Well, maybe we should do um, a mini set about Irrawaddy dolphins. Yeah, they look like the future. beluga. Like, yeah, they look that's weird. Literally, that's literally like the one species that I've like. I don't know. I've been very intrigued with them since I was a little. They're kid. kind of funky looking. So, okay. So Sorry about the sad stuff podcast again. No, we're not. We keep doing it to them. I'm just, just a slow burn, you know. <laughs> just, just, just like climate change, just a slow burn. <laughs> we're gonna have like zero listeners in like a week. Uh, you know crying. what if you can't if you can't suffer through this then you are not paying attention on this planet because things are happening so quick you can literally see it change before your eyes if you know where to look so yeah caitlin has a new article every week <laughs> sorry about you so yeah it's complicated it's hard it's messy but that's life well next week we're gonna talk about the irrawaddy dolphin it's gonna be great <laughs> everything's gonna be crying don't promise him that <laughs> We'll do some research. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all if you made it to this point in the episode. Um, we haven't done like a secret whatever for a while. Yeah, the freaking dolphin. <laughs> what should we do? Irrawaddy dolphin. Irrawaddy dolphin is the secret whale of the week. Okay. I'm fine with that. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and supporting us and sharing the podcast with other people rating it or reviewing it um or just telling telling people to listen in and um yeah we'll talk to you later thanks thanks guys yeah bye bye